Joe's freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Warr, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Let's go with the Brock and Salk Show today on Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and Seattle Sports app. Yes, that's right. Plus all the podcast platforms. Some nice reviews came in recently. No mean ones, unfortunately, but some nice uh, reviews that came in recently. I mean, I'll get a moment to read them to you guys today. Hi, how's everybody doing today after a second straight Mariner win? Just kind of taking care of business in Oakland, right? I mean, just kind of doing what you're supposed to do. Remember, the Astros didn't necessarily do that. The other teams haven't just taken care of business in Oakland, but uh, you have so far through two games. And you're going to get one more today. Would really like to see George Kirby get himself right heading into his final two starts of the year. His last few have been, you know, each one has had something about it that has been somewhat problematic, right? So let's get George Kirby back to being dominant George Kirby, see him move in the right direction, maybe get him out after six innings, and then, okay, let's go. Here it is. Time for yeah. time for this big stretch. This is his last time. To, the, the last team he's going to pitch. Right. That's not the Astros or Rangers for the rest of the year. That's right. <laughs> yes. So this is this is it, man. Like, buckle up and then let's go. Have you guys really thought about what the next 10 days, really starting Friday, is going to be like? Non- I don't know. That yeah, I, incredibly oh, stressful. Not until incredibly yesterday. Incredibly <laughs> stressful. I ended up writing about it last night. It's SCLsports.com. It's going to be insane. I, I can't ever remember anything like this been a baseball fan my whole life i've watched a lot of baseball and during that time you know i've probably focused most of my energy on one of two teams at a time right obviously as a kid growing up a red sox fan and then since moving here in 2009 on the mariners and i can't ever remember this i mean i remember seasons that come down to the final few games and what you do but a 10 game like insanity against two teams, all of which today are within a half game of each other, all tied in the loss column. And they're going to play each other with the Mariners playing both of them over the course of 10 straight games. And by the way, if you play well enough in those games and you deal with more of your stress, guess what? You get more of it in the playoffs. (laughs) It just gets to ratchet up yet another notch if you're able to get through all of this. So I spent some time trying to come up with a dopey dad joke to name this, but I don't know. It didn't go as well as I thought maybe it would. I was hoping there would be like an easy rhyme or an easy alliteration or something. three and race or something what do yeah you, what are for, for either the either the playoffs or the postseason i kind of looked for stuff so like i came with the you know you got the play-ins ah eh, uh, it was yeah. okay yeah but a one a play in right play-in really, game is already yeah, sort of taken thing, yeah so they are sort of the play-ins but eh. the no delay offs Right, like there's there's no time to delay. This is it, but that doesn't really normal. work. Yeah, it doesn't work. And especially if you spell like Tom Delay, then it doesn't work at all. Uh, the three way offs because it's all you know, all three teams sort of vying for it, and you're going against both of them. Like it's an extra long playoff series against two other teams. So there's three teams. Could it be the try offs? It could, yeah, with an I, like try tip as yeah. opposed to like try hard. Yeah, triple. It's fine. I came up with the almost season instead of the postseason. 
It just doesn't. It doesn't it's have not quite, quite yeah. the kind of. Uh, well, this is why we have texters who are smart. Well, and I'm hoping somebody clever. has something because I, I, I am. I was very disappointed in myself. I really hoped something good would come up last night, and it didn't. I spent a while. I spent probably longer on this than I should have. So, if anybody has a, a good thought on it, my my wife came up with the uh, the Lone Star Super Series. That's too much Texas credit. I know. Like, it's not about them. It's, it's about, about you yeah. and about what's going on. So, I don't know. If anybody's got a, if you've got a thought, you can certainly text the show. 866-979-3776. That's I, Mac and Jack's text it line. It hit me yesterday, though, when I lo- started looking at all the schedules of the remaining teams who are in contention. And I started counting. I was like, uh, wait a minute, two, four, six, eight, ten. Yeah. This is it. And obviously, I've known for the whole year that this was the final schedule. But it doesn't, it it, it, it's like a vacation. It's not real until all of a sudden you start getting those emails from the airline that's like, hey, have you checked in? Right. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, shoot. Uh, but in, in these three teams, it's like they're just trading who's wearing the blindfold for the, like the last month. And which one of them's not, which one is going to see clearly the finish line? Well, it's yeah. And it, it. You know what's funny is so the Mariners have the toughest schedule, obviously, of the three because yeah. they've got to keep playing the other teams. Whereas, you know, I think uh, Texas has Anaheim in between and Houston has like Kansas City and somebody else. Yeah, so, they start yeah, Kansas. Right. So it's it just that you have a little bit of the more challenging road, except sort of lurking off to the side, not a part of any of this, is Toronto, who's probably been playing some of the best baseball recently, but. They have the hardest schedule. They've got to play the Rays twice. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, the way this goes down here over the course of the next, what, 10, 10, 12 days is just going to be unbelievable. Oh, that's pretty good. Hold on. We might have one. This is actually not bad from Uh 253. The do or die off. Ooh. That's pretty good, actually. I don't know if I could, like, say it over and over again, but I'm going to, like, toy with it a little bit. The trace race? (laughs) Eh. I do kind of like the do or die off. Do or die off solid. There is something to that. That that might that might have a little something. The do or die off. All right, let me keep thinking about we'll that. Let me let me noodle it the on final that. Final week of baseball. But it's not. It's bigger well, than yeah. that. <laughs> we had the final I know it's bigger than that, but you guys always have to. I mean, there's the, the tr- postseason. Maybe we shouldn't call it that. Let's just call it the games that come after the season. Sulk jinxes us off. No, this no. isn't a jinx. I'm just the saying tridential? it's going to be amazing. There's some good ones coming in here. Yeah. All right. Nice job, everybody. Keep them coming. 866-979-3776. More. Why are you going to be a spoil sport on this? Are you not excited for these games? Uh, all I Am I not negativity. excited that you want more dad joke references? Well, I was sort of hoping it wouldn't turn into a dad joke. I was hoping you could. You started with I came up with these dad joke types. But that's because I was trying to do better, and all I came up with was a bunch of dad oh. jokes. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. Right. I was all trying right. to come up with something fairly good. Like, I was hoping that, like... <laughs> We could get pretty excited about this. Pre post season? <laughs> no, that's funny, but no. Uh, the end game. The yeah. West off, since it's all about the AL West. Yeah. <laughs> Clinch. <That> was, <laughs> there's there's are, a lot coming in. Well, we, we after Patton saying yesterday that basically none of these three teams look like contenders, which was yeah, sad. That's whatever. I, man. Saw, I saw that uh, in uh, Stacey's headlines, I think she said something about, or they said something about them having a. Basically, what this texture just texted, like a mid off. 
a mid-off. Yeah, to see yeah. who can be the most The latest middling. from Just Pass in the AL West is having a mid-off is on, on Bump and well, Stacey's show sheet yesterday. What yeah. it sort of sounds like is um, like three teams, instead of having a race to the finish, are having like a three-legged race to the finish where you tie the like legs together of two of them and they start <laughs> falling and tripping and all that. A buddy of mine broke his spleen doing that, which was what? not great. Broke? Or maybe that was a... Maybe that was a potato sack race. It was one or the other, and he he got yeah really screwed him up. But it just yeah I, I Jeff can the say wild that. West off. Oh, that's not bad. I kind of like that. Jeff can say all that. Jeff can comment and say, oh, well, they don't look like contenders because they didn't beat the Dodgers. Okay, fine, whatever. All I know is you got ten games to get hot. It doesn't take that long to get hot. Well, it just and he did happens. say all of that can change in the playoffs. It can it can change even before the playoffs. It can change like that. That's what's so cool about this. That's why it's nice to get a seven to two win last night in Oakland. Was it the world's greatest? No, right. But it we got the job done. It allowed you to rest your pen. Although I was a little surprised to see Matt Brash up and throwing with a five run lead in the eighth inning, like. Do we really need Matt Brash tonight? Maybe give him one more day off. But I'm there may be something where you got to keep the guy going, and so you don't want him to to wait too too long, or else he comes in not fresh, et cetera. So yeah. anyway, uh, nice win for the Mariners last night. This next couple of weeks are going to be insane. If you want to read my thoughts on it, you can go to seattlesports.com. We'll come back, give you everything you need to know, including a hearty congratulations to a team with one of the best names out there. It's coming up next on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. You know what, cruise control? Definitely great on a long trip across the Midwest, Nebraska or something like that. Or, in this case, a September game against an inferior opponent. Just stick it on cruise control and let your ace do the rest. Here's the 0-2 pitch and a swing and a miss for strike three. Langoliers goes down swinging, and there's one away, and there is number 200 for Luis Castillo, one of only three right-handers in the history of the Mariners franchise with 200 or more strikeouts in a single season. Felix Hernandez did it six times. Eric Hansen with over 200 strikeouts back in 1990, and now Luis Castillo with his 200th strikeout of the year tonight here against Oakland, and he strikes out Shea Langoliers. Yeah, he was really, really good last night. Scott loved it, of course. Every time, Maura, you pointed this out earlier, every time he talks about Luis Castillo, he uses the same phrase. Wow, you can't say enough about the season that uh, Luis Castillo has had, and he just keeps adding on to an awesome outing tonight. Um, He has been so solid. He is the rock. Every time out there, he's given us great effort, chance to win, and he's on a great roll right now. So a 14th win tonight, got his 200-plus strikeout tonight. Uh, but for me and where we're at in the season, he went seven innings tonight, which is huge. Yeah, they love that. Of course, he continuing to rest that bullpen and keep everybody fresh for the final 11 games now of the season. Got some help, too. It was nice to see J.P. Crawford continue his hot hitting. Jared Kelnick with a couple of ribbies on two different singles. And then the defense was unbelievable. How about how about the day that Cal Raleigh had and the help that he got it up the middle from first J.P. Crawford and then Josh Rojas with a couple of tags on two caught stealings in one inning against two really fast dudes. That was uh, very, very, very impressive. Mixed bag, though, everywhere else. Blue Jays win. Rangers win. Despite blowing a save, they came back to win again. Astros drop another one, though, to Baltimore. So, 
going into today, all three teams are within a half game of each other in the AL West, which is nuts. They are all tied in the loss column. I can't believe how this is going to go down. They got one more in Oakland today. Getaway matinee, Kirby on the hill. That means they're going to play their first series against Texas without either of their top two pitchers. So don't freak out. No Castillo, no Kirby in the first three against Texas. But it means they are going to pitch against Houston once and then the final two games of the season against the Rangers. So you're going to get your two studs out there two more times, plus Logan in the middle. Go time, man. This is going to be so much fun here over the course of the last two weeks. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, back to practice today for the Seahawks. They get themselves ready for a pretty winnable home game, you would hope, against Carolina. Panthers still in rebuild mode, at least offensively, where they are, I think, third worst in the league so far. But I'll tell you what, they can still get after it on defense. You better be careful. They showed last year that you got to take them seriously as they beat the Seahawks. And oddly, the Hawks have kind of struggled at home the last year or so. This would be a game on the schedule you would sure like to win, given some of the challenges ahead. It's funny, you would think that being at home would be a huge benefit, especially to the pass rushers with the noise. But Shannon Nwosu on the station yesterday saying, hey, he sometimes prefers actually rushing the passer on the road. We can hear each other's checks a lot more. We can hear what the offense is saying. You know, they have like certain words or terms that they use. You know, we can pick up on those throughout the games. And, you know, we can hear the, the, the quarterback's cadence and, you know, really, really go off like his movements and stuff. So it makes the game a lot easier for us. And, you know, defense really likes those types of environments. Funny, you always hear about how much the defense loves all the noise, but kind of making the other argument. I don't know. I think there have been some players over the years that would say it the other way. Seahawks, uh, with a move yesterday, signed Artie Burns to their 53-man roster. They cut wide receiver Matt Landers and defensive back Robert Rochelle. Who who was taken off the 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 53-man roster, though? I don't think they made an announcement that as to who that is, right? Yet, so no. somebody else has got to go. Or maybe onto IR. So we're curious to see what that is. I know Mike Morris has been dealing with that shoulder injury. So wait and find out who Artie Burns is replacing. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, wherever Shohei Otani goes next, he's only going to hit for at least the first, or he's uh, yeah, only going to hit for at least one season. Had a procedure yesterday on his elbow that's going to limit him to the batter's box for a year. Is it still worth it? Yeah. If you're the Mariners, absolutely. Maybe especially the Mariners who could afford to wait at that out and still get all the value they would need. They have good enough pitching where they could just use him as a bat next year and then essentially long-term allow him to become that Robbie Ray replacement or trade one of your young pitchers, depending on how you choose to do it. Also want to throw some credit at... The Modesto Nuts. Yeah. That's right. They win the California League Championship last night. Colt Emerson, insane. Went four for six last night in the championship game. 11 for 20 in the postseason. That's your first round no pick. Your first first round pick from this past year. What a team. Jeff Passan yesterday really impressed with what the Mariners have done in the draft recently. The Mariners draft this year was so good. I'm telling you. Like Colt Emerson might be a star. I think he's already the best prospect in the organization. And and that's saying something because I think Cole Young is good. I think Ty Pete is good. I think Johnny Carmelo is good. I think Guerrero is good. Um, And you can go on and on. It's a very good farm system considering where they've been picking. And that is the hallmark. 
gentlemen of a strong organization. Well, you're going to get to hear the rest of that uh, passing interview coming up here in about 10 minutes. But he's absolutely right. And what they're doing, and, and he mentioned it elsewhere there, is starting to build a team that's going to consistently spit out talent. They develop it a whole lot better than they used to. They're drafting it very well. There's a couple of very good international free agent signings in there. He didn't even mention Felnine Celestine, who may be the best prospect long-term of any of them. Yeah, you're talking about a team that should be able to sustain this long-term, both in terms of trading to bring back talent and bringing it up to eventually succeed in the big league. So nice job there in Modesto, and especially to the first-rounder, Cole to Emerson. He just turned 18. Yeah, he's 18. Yeah, yeah no biggie. Solid. Him, he's 18. Ty Pete's 18. I think Farmelo's 18 or 19. I mean, just just a lot of young studs coming up uh, through the minor leagues right now for the Mariners, which is great. All right, that is everything you need to know. Whew, we do that quarter past Should've every wore, hour. Should have wore my nuts hat today. Yeah, why didn't you do that? Dang it. Yeah, you didn't want to. Uh, getting ready in the dark's the whole thing. Is that it? That's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I see it. <laughs> That's it. You don't lay your clothes out the night before? I do. Oh, you do? I, but I didn't think about a hat. Hmm. That's kind of the last thing. You lay it out like in a like a first like a day scarecrow of school every day. Every not, not not quite, but it's like the first day of school every day. I make my my breakfast, lunch every night before that. I and lay my clothes out. Yeah, the I laying. I, don't, I I did that for a little while when I was living in uh, in the apartment when we were renovating the house. Like when we first started the Mike Salk show, I would have to do that because I would I couldn't see anything and it was so small, I was stumbling around so. Yeah, I, I didn't do like this lights. full scarecrow, but I would like leave them outside the bedroom so I could go get them at yeah. some point. Yeah, I right. should do that. Yeah, you don't it do that, huh? Make me more efficient in the morning. Oh, it takes a while to decide what to wear. More minutes of sleep. That's yeah, would do it. more. You're missing out on a good 45 seconds, maybe 90 seconds of sleep <laughs> that you could be getting every morning. I can't believe that you wouldn't go down maniac. that road. Yeah, you are true, true maniac. Great, great, great description. All right. Uh, I mentioned passing. He was really good yesterday. Not only breaking down the rest of this AL West, but where the Mariners go from here pitching wise. And yeah, a farm system that is setting this team up to look like some of the teams they want to talking about the Braves, talking about the Dodgers, talking about the Rays, talking about the perennial contenders. How close are the Mariners? Find out from Jeff Passan next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Limping, Brock. That's the way I would describe this AL West race to the finish. All three teams limping to try to get there first. We'll see who... It's like the end of uh, the first Terminator where Arnold just kind of keeps coming and he's crawling. or just like... I don't know. I guess he's still dangerous, but that's sort of where all three teams are at. Jeff Passan, ESPN, joining us now as he does every week. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, sir. How are you? We're good, but this race is just crazy. It just feels like all three teams, Rangers, Astros, Mariners, all with their own various ailments, whether they're physical or just you know how they're playing, just limping towards the finish line here. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure what to take away from this other than none of them look like World Series contenders right now, right? Like I I mean I hate to say it, but with the Mariners, um you saw what a World Series contender looks like this weekend. And it looked like there was one on the field and it looked like there was a team that was wiping the floor with and uh, listen, baseball in October is a different beast. So 
what we saw from the Dodgers against the Mariners could completely be flipped if they were to play three more games or seven more games as it would be. But uh, the the Mariners over the weekend did not look like a team that's going to be contending for a title this year. No, and and it's funny because honestly, neither have the Astros or Rangers, and it and it seems to right. be the same thing for all three teams. And with two of them, that shouldn't be a huge huge surprise. One of them, it is. It's the bullpen. I mean, I, I just I look yeah. at the Mariners bullpen over the course of the last two three weeks. It went from being their ultimate strength to right now their biggest weakness. Yep. The Mariners should theoretically have the best bullpen of any contender in the American league right now. Right. Like if, if we just, if we just look at it objectively, like the Orioles uh, have been good, um, but losing Felix Bautista and probably not getting him back this season hurts. Uh, the Rays, you know, I, I guess the Rays always have a good bullpen and they are coming off a streak where they didn't give up an earned run over 36 innings. So maybe it is the Rays, but certainly better than the Rangers and the Astros and, and better than the Twins, too. And uh, the, the Blue Jays, oddly, have been the ones outside of the Rays with the best performing bullpen. And I I didn't see that one coming. I just I don't know. I How much did you trust Gabe's fire? Like, I know he got off to a great start this year. How much did you deep down really trust him? I mean, Gabe Spire, actually, it's funny. We were kind of going through our trust meter, our faith meter earlier on this Mariners pen. Matt Brash has been unbelievable from start to finish. He's, he's unbelievably he's, he's, good. He he's, he's a top five reliever in baseball right now. I believe that. Well, he certainly has top five stuff, and when he commands it, yeah. he is right there. I, I would agree with you, and, and I love the and way they've used and him. That's, that's the thing. I was, I, I was, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this because I think I posted it probably like right when you guys were were starting the show. But uh, I have my awards, uh, and these are not like MVP or Cy Young. These are these are like the passing awards, mm. and one of them one of them was nastiest pitch, and there are like ten Matt Brash candidates in there. I mean, it's absurd. There was, you know, there was the one against Fernando Tatis. Um, there was the the nutmeg on Willie Castro. Um, How about the I mean, Jose Ramirez in, in, like, the first game yeah, of the season? Yeah, Jose Ramirez, you know, like taking a perennial MVP candidate and pretzeling him. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it was interesting, though. You, I, I did my nastiest pitch of the year was from a Mariners pitcher, and it was not Matt Brash. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of candidates. Remember, there's a lot of candidates do here. Rem- do, do you remember the slider that Justin Topa threw to Whit Merrifield that was three feet off the plate and got a swing on it? No, I think I don't remember that one. I got to go back. <laughs> You got to go look at the story. It's on ESPN Plus now. Matt, uh, Justin Topa, who, you know, God, like, God bless Justin Topa. I, I respect a guy who, at 32 years old, is really getting his first shot in the big leagues. I mean, he, he had like 18 innings, a few cups of coffee before coming up this year, but this is his first real opportunity uh, and is absolutely taking advantage of it and has been nasty all year long. And I'm curious, where is he? 
on your Mariners reliever tied for second. Uh, confidence. He's, he's tied, tied for, for second. second with Munoz and kind of depending on the day, depending on the situation, and then Spire kind of after that, and, and then it kind of trickles down from there. Interesting thing about Topa, and then I know Brock probably wants to get into this conversation. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm here and you're here. I guess we're wait, here. Brock, you're actually Brock. You're actually here. Today. Yeah, Brock's here. Yes. Sorry, yeah, yes. <laughs> forgot to introduce yeah. him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The thing yeah. I would say sure. about Topa is when you talk to him, which we did. How long ago was that, Brock? A couple weeks ago, week or two yeah. ago. You get the sense that he does not like that narrative of he's never really made it before and the Mariners fixed him, sort of the Paul Seawald narrative. What he seems to think, and just my gut and listening to him and talking to him is, no, I've always had this. The Mariners might have helped bring it out and they trusted me, but I just got hurt a lot. And now I'm healthy and this is what I've always been. So I don't know. There's a kind of a cool little confidence to that. And then when Munoz is going great, there's some confidence. So you're right. This should be a part of the group I trust. But over the last three weeks, it just hasn't looked that way. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I think this is going to be very interesting if the Mariners do make it. Um, which of their starters goes to the pen? I mean, maybe because they're going to be in the wild card series and then they got to leap right into the division series, they're going to have all five guys ready. Uh, but if they start winning and are just lining up because of the days off, three or four starters – who would you want to see in the pen? Who do you think would well, it's be both Miller and likely? Will, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you get a chance to put both of those guys in there with their fastballs and what Brian Wu does to yeah. right-handers. I mean, mm-hmm. that you, is a complete well, game changer. If you, yeah, if you have to choose one of them, who are you keeping in the rotation? Who are you putting in the pen? I'm keeping Bryce in the rotation. Just from an inning standpoint, Pardon? we looked at it today. Wu's yeah. already at 80 innings, you know, and, and he's been awesome. Third. Point two shutout in the, in the last two and a half starts since his kind of meltdown in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think because of innings uh, and what Bryce has shown, and he too has been durable and reliable here through September, I think I'm probably putting Wu in there. I, th- I think that's reasonable. I wonder if Miller's stuff would play up better in the in the pen now. I think and they both play pretty well. Have, having having him as like. I don't know, man. If if you are if you get your starter through five innings and can go Miller six seven and then can go Topa Munoz Brash Topa Brash Munoz however you want to do it seven eight nine like I gotta tell you I, Brock I think I might disagree with you and I, I I think that there's some there's something to be said for for just the innings thing that they may not have much of a choice on Wu at some point mm-hmm. but. I think that A, Miller's done it before in the minors, unlike Wu, and B, I think they have a, some concern about not knowing, not not allowing a guy who's been injured like Wu before to to up know and, and plan and out and when and he's yeah. going to pitch yeah. and get a full warm up and everything yeah. else. So yeah. I don't know which direction they go. Right. It's, a, it's a good problem to have. And uh, who's interviewing who, by the way? Doesn't it feel like Jeff's interviewing I don't know. Us? I mean, I'm eight minutes in. I'd like to ask Would Jeff you a question. T- please ask Jeff, Jeff a question. Can I ask Jeff a question? over this interview. Jeff, I get paid to ask good questions, okay? <laughs> That's what I get paid to do. And I'd, ask, I'd like to sure. ask you something we asked Depoto last week, and we'll compare and contrast your answer to his. In the final 12 games here, you have pixie dust, magic dust, and you can put it on one Mariner offensive player other than Julio. Because Julio's been... Red hot. And let's take JP off of it as well because he's been phenomenal. So the other seven guys in the lineup, you get Pixie Dust to, to rub on him and say, you get to be red hot for the final 12 games of the season. Whom are you putting that Pixie Dust on? Mm, boy. Um, I mean, 
I, I have to choose in this situation someone who's been terrible lately. Um, so it's probably got to be Ty France. Okay. Um, One extra base hit in the last that, 24 games. So that would be nice yeah. to see a few <laughs> I mean, more when, extra base hits. Yeah. Here's the thing. Julio, Julio exists in a perpetual cloud of pixie dust. So this does not apply to him. Um, Cal Raleigh feels like he's got got some good pixie dust going on. Gino Suarez has been pretty good over the last few weeks. Um, and, and JP's been solid all year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to either be Tay Oscar or Ty France. And I feel like Tay Oscar's been enough of a producer in the second half of the season where he's yep. going to pick things up. So uh I, I would give it to Ty France. What was Jerry's answer? I mean, there's so many of them that are going so good. You know, Julio and Cal, Teoscar, they have been otherworldly. JP, you know, really, I think JP is, is sneaky. You know, he's going to surprise people where he finishes on MVP balance. He's been that good this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the one guy that has been a little bit streakier, and when he goes good, we score a lot of runs, is Gino. And, you know, if we could get that that good run from Gino in these last couple of weeks and into the postseason, that's we know it, it's in there. We've seen it. We've seen it this year, and and when he when he gets in that mode, it's it really makes our lineup a different lineup. Yeah, he went. Uh, yeah, he went. Yeah. Gino. It's funny, Brock. You changed the question a little bit. You asked Jeff, offensive player. When I asked Jerry, I didn't specify that. I actually, my answer was always going to be uh, Andres Munoz. Like, if you could get locked down, yeah. Andres Munoz at the back of the pen, that would have maybe even a bigger effect. But certainly, if you were to get Gino to hit a bunch of home runs here in the last 12 games, how much does that change these series against the Astros and Rangers? Totally reasonable question. Um, I, I, I think when it comes down to it, as much as, as we want to talk about the offense, um, the, the Mariners' offense is always going to be a little bit spotty, at least the, the 2023 version of it. Um, it's it's always going to be the question mark. I, I don't think them making the playoffs is going to depend on their offense. I think they're going to need to pitch their way in. And, and I understand you got to score runs. You know, you're not going to win every game one nothing. But uh, I, I think the Mariners – success has been dependent on their pitching all year long and it's going to to continue to be and i i actually i was looking um i like the way it's lined up uh, have you guys seen how the rotation's lined up for the rest of the year no what what should we what should we be looking at um so castillo and kirby are both going to be throwing three times over these last 12 games so half of the starts are going to be going to Castillo and Kirby. That helps. It's what you want, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I want that, and I want to get into the Rangers' bullpen as much as possible. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to be all that difficult these days, <laughs> the way that their rotations, they, they just, you know, they're just very disappointing. Well, it's, it's all took how- shots. You know, we started the show with Faith this morning passing, which I loved. Like, we started with Faith. And then, like, see, so he can't even go six minutes without taking shots at the Rangers. I mean, he just he, he can't help himself. And, it's and a very it, local radio host of you. 
I wasn't even taking shots at the Rangers. I was taking shots at the people who were crowning Bruce Bochy oh, for completely fixing the whole situation that's after three months. Yeah. But, and you called him a pumpkin head. He or something along those no, lines. No, you remember those dum-dum, uh, remember, you know what dum-dums are, Jeff? Like those old lollipops? Like lollipops? Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, it's Bruce Bochy. Sweet <laughs> Bruce Bochy has a head that's shaped like a lollipop? He's got a big head. He, no, he doesn't have a, a big head. He has a legendary dome. <laughs> I mean, he is, I believe he's a size eight in an eight, maybe. I know, I know he is at least an eight, but I think it, I think it's disrespectful to to his yeah. body to suggest that it's a stick. Like Bruce Bochy is a is a strong, it's true, hearty man. That's right. Um, That's right. You know, he, he was he was a catcher, so yes, he does have uh, a unit uh, on top of his neck, and and I as as somebody who himself has. A seven and three quarter size head. I'm going to Whoa. stick up for my large headed brethren wow. uh, and say that calling him a dum dum is yeah. not right. It's not right. I think your head feels more large top to bottom though. Like there's a lot like from chin seven to the three top quarters? from chin to crown. Seven and three quarters on 157 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you know. Sometimes I'm just walking and I fall. Yeah, I just fall down. The weight, the weight of my head just isn't that how you broke your back to the ground. Yeah, you blamed a tree, but right. wasn't it really just a fall? Just I a, just a head related fall, head related injury. Yeah, uh, Jeff. Uh, any correlation? Just to get away from this race for a moment. Any correlation between how much your organization wins in the minors and what they will eventually look like in the big leagues? There is is nothing statistically uh, that has proven winning in the minors equals winning in the big leagues. But do I buy that? Yes, absolutely. I, I think I think learning to win is a real thing. Uh, I think there's a difference between a winning mentality and a losing mentality, and that when you spend enough time uh, in either, it's it's bound to rub off on you. So. Yeah, I absolutely want to win games in the minor leagues, but the the balance there is always about winning and development. And winning games in the minor leagues uh, is not necessarily going to translate to the big leagues if the stuff isn't there for the pitchers, if the swing isn't there for the hitters. Yeah. So, it's just been interesting uh, I, watching I Modesto and Everett here and, and, and Arkansas over the course of the last week or two and watching all these young Mariners, Emerson and Young and Fermello and, and Pete. And the, the, this whole group is all they're, contributing, it dude, seems like, every night. They're, 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 they're dra- the Mariners draft this year was so good. I'm telling you, like Colt Emerson uh, might be a star. I think he's already the best prospect in the organization. And and that's saying something, because wow. I think Cole Young is good. I think Ty Pete is good. I think Johnny Carmelo is good. I think Guerrero is good. Um, and you can go on and on. It's a, it's a very good farm system, considering where they've been picking. And that is the hallmark, gentlemen, of a strong organization. When you are winning and picking late in the draft and you're still crushing the draft, very, very few teams, like a handful, if that, of teams 
win and still manage to draft well. And and it's the teams that you aspire to be. The Dodgers, it's the Rays, it's Cleveland. It's these organizations that have sustained success. And and that's exactly what the the Mariners are aspiring to be an organization like that that uh, doesn't you know ebb and flow at the whims of how it does in free agency, but rather build something that year after year feeds upon itself. I got two last ones. We've got about eight minutes or so. We don't have time to play your wonderful passing time, personal time open here. I'm just gonna get right to no, it. No, I, I heard you. I heard you had a question though. I, I do. Quick. Oh, I do. Oh, All no, right, no. I, I got, we'll, we're just not gonna. We're just not gonna run your open of you singing. Here's here's my question. Ah, thank God for that. Yep. Okay. Here is uh, here's my question. Three great food towns are in the race here in the American League West down the stretch. Best food cuisine: Texas, Houston, Seattle. Oh, Seattle. I'm not just saying that because I'm not just saying that because like playing to the home crowd. Uh, I've had some ridiculous meals in Seattle uh, over the last year, and they've all involved me going on uh, mandates with Greg Bishop, <laughs> just the two of us going and eating sushi, and and it's been amazing. So Seattle all the way easy. Like, not even close. Can Greg eat much? Like, I, he's so slight. I would imagine that when Bishop goes out to eat, you get to, like, once you've both ordered and eaten, now, then you get to eat the rest off his plate. Yeah, you know what the you know what the problem is? We're, Greg, I'm, I'm turning 43 this week. Greg's turning 44 next week. So, like, we're, we're well into our 40s at this point. For the first time in I don't even know how long, Greg has abs. And he's so proud of his abs, and it's nauseating. So yes, I do want to feed that emaciated uh, little little twig. Are they abs or are they ribs showing? Like which is it? No, no. I I mean he like he he works out. He's he's gotten he's gotten very strong. It's it's honestly like if I'm uh, if I'm just trying to avoid being a bad like it's impressive okay. i i wow. i envy i envy the abdominals i genuinely do you heard in that jerry cut his thought that jp is going to get a lot more votes or finish somewhere at least on yeah, some ballots no, that's, that's yeah that's not correct <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he was trying to say that he was going to win an mvp just that he might be higher than no, people think i i yeah he, he might be on two ballots from the Seattle chapter of the Baseball <laughs> Association, but I, I do not anticipate uh, J.P. Crawford okay. getting a it, whole it, lot of Julio, Julio's on the medal stand, right, with Seager and Otani in the AL? Yeah, I think Julio's probably, I, I think Julio's probably safely third at this point. What if he goes because nuts in the saying, last, in the la- what if he goes nuts in Houston and Texas? And, and they Seager win the American it? League West. What happens? Does he have a shot? It's certainly at being second or maybe even first. No shot at first. It's, I mean, Otani's going to win. Otani's going to win unanimously. Like that's done. done. I'm fine. With um, that. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Uh, I'm not. Dude hasn't even been there. Dude packed up and <laughs> left right. the team. How can you wow. win when you pack up and you leave your team? That was old Brock 14 years ago, by the way. If you would have done radio with me 14 years ago, that would have been a hot take. That's enough of that. That would have been a real hot take. Would that have been your take? Probably. Probably 14 years ago. On our first year doing it together, the Mariners played golf on an off day and Brock lost his mind. I didn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, I've learned, okay? I've been seasoned 14 and a half years. You got to you got to find your feet. Yes. Julio goes red hot. Julio goes goes crazy like he's done this year. 
He's had stretches this year where it's never been done in baseball. He goes red hot here down the stretch. And the, and the Mariners go 10-2, and two, including like, I don't know, 8-2, and 9-1 and one versus the Rangers and Astros, and they win the American League West. You're telling me he's not number two to Otani? Uh, I think it depends on how Seager plays in that series. They've got seven games head-to-head. I mean, if Seager collapses over those seven games and Julio goes off, then I think the the narrative there is going to be pretty strong and you've got uh, war totals close enough where you can validate that. And and also, if if you want to make the argument, Julio's played for 35 more games than Corey Seager, pretty good yes. argument. Um, yep. But Seager, Seager has been, when he's, when he's been on the field, Seager's been the best offensive player in the American League and arguably in Major League Baseball. I'm watching this Justin Topa pitch over and over again. Thank you to uh, Seattle Zag, who uh, tweeted it over to me here. Uh, the uh, It's ridiculous. And Merrifield just kind of waves at Like, it's not even really a swing. It's just like a half-hearted wave. Dude. That's the thing. The reason that I chose that, I, I explained this in the story. It's like, there's so many great pitches now. It's difficult uh, for me to go base purely objectively. Like, I understand Mitch Keller's slider had 26 inches of movement compared to Justin Topa's 22 or whatever it may be. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me when I'm looking at the nastiest pitch of the year is the one that makes me go, oh, oh no! And Justin Topa what he did to Whit Merrifield with that pitch was the biggest oh-no I saw all year. All right, that was Jeff Passan, uh, who joins us every Tuesday. Uh, actually, next week is going to be Tuesday at 7.30, a little scheduling conflict. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot in there, and 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 certainly the reaction to, to the Justin Topa pitch is entertaining. But uh, I like this from the 209 from Passan. The guy you want to put pixie dust on is Jared Kelnick. We've seen it before, and he has the highest ceiling outside of Julio. Is that true? Maybe. Might be. Right? I mean, when Kelnick gets himself on a tear like he did at the beginning of this year, it absolutely changes the complexion of this lineup. That might be right because we do – well, I mean, Suarez is right too because you have enough guys that are getting on base right now. That's right. And You need some guys with some some pop. You need table clearers now. Yeah, and I think that's why if it's the offense, I'm probably also with them on Suarez. Kelnick would be great. Ty France feels like a lost cause right now, which is too bad to say. And hopefully, like the moment I say it, he turns out and, you know, he gets a bunch of hits here in the next week or two and makes us all look stupid. But, yeah, I I wrote about this last night at CLSports.com. I will tell you, my answer is, is still the bullpen. That's how this team wins. They win with pitching. I trust their I trust their starters. I assume that the offense is going to be kind of up and down and probably not as good as either Texas or Houston. But the thing that you have that differentiates you is your pitching staff, and you need the bullpen in those late-game situations going up against their big guns to get it done. So if my answer is Andres Munoz and Matt Brash and you know the whole rest of that group, Topa and all of them, Spire, you're going to need those guys to be great for the next 11 games and beyond if you want to make it to the promised land. 